0: Hello. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to you too, <laughs> and to them. Welcome back, guys.
1: To all of you who are still unnamed, I swear one day we'll come up with a fun little name. I mean, there's the Daddy Gang. There's the Giggly Squad. Our people need a
0: name. Yeah. If you ha- guys have any ideas, pl- please feel please free. Let us know. <laughs> hope you had a fun halloween (gasps) weekend we're recording this on actual halloween
1: did you do anything fun
0: for halloween weekend Halloween? weekend i told myself that i was not going to go out and then you invited me to your party so i got a costume and then you canceled your party so i needed to go somewhere to wear the costume And my neighbor, boyfriend and friend were like, let's just go to East Village to see the sights. The the sights? What are the sights? We wanted to see the chaos of it all, but we really just saw like a bunch of 20 year olds throwing up on the side of the street. So wasn't that great. We got pizza and went home, but I got to dress up. So
1: that's kind of similar to mine, actually. Really? First of all, it was the first Halloween in my life that I didn't dress up at all. I did not put on a costume. For those of you who know me or don't know me, Halloween is my Super Bowl. I get ready for it for weeks. I plan my outfit. And I don't know, this year I was just so stressed with work and just like other personal things in my life going on. I just didn't have the motivation, which is also why I canceled the party because I was just too anxious. (laughs) I was too stressed. And I ended up just canceling that. And then I had my sister's bridal shower and then we all went out to the city after her and her friends are not very into Halloween like they don't dress Mm -hmm. up anymore they're older like whatever I get it so they wanted to go to a Mexican restaurant and I was like okay well I'm not gonna go dressed up like did I have a costume in my bag ready to go absolutely but I couldn't wear it to dinner what was it that lace catsuit actually that we wore Mm -hmm. in our photo shoot I was gonna wear that and then just do cat ears? So you weren't gonna be a cat i was gonna
0: be a cat <laughs> <laughs> i was <Yeah. laughs> something so niche at first i was gonna go to a barbie party so i was gonna be like workout barbie cute but then i transformed into olivia newton john and the let's get physical video oh my I was god like i just can't do a boring costumes that's really cute i didn't dress up and i i'm really i'm
1: grappling with it it's like hurting my heart a little bit i can't decide if i'm okay with it because i'm older and i've passed that point in my life Or if I'm devastated. I guess we both had hinged weekends. Well,
0: I still went on a bender, if I'm being honest. Like, I was still drinking. Oh, no, I was hammered. (laughs) I I was extremely
1: drunk on Saturday night.
0: Just because you were not in a costume doesn't mean it was (laughs) hinged. But
1: I didn't have, like, the crazy Halloween that I thought I was
0: going to. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people didn't this year that I'm friends with. I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Did we cross – are we over the hill? Like, what I, went wrong? I think so. That's when I'm like, okay, I'm really in my late 20s because I was in the East Village and I'm like, none of this is fun to me anymore. Yeah. I was there too, actually. And everyone walking by, I was like, I yeah.
1: <laughs> Everyone's like, Wait, oh, oh, you guys are
0: Teletubbies? Like, cool. Like, but it was everyone. I was just like not impressed. I mean, my idea of fun nowadays is like going to the nines or going to get martinis at the Plaza. You know what I mean? Like I like a classy
1: (laughs) drink. I want to get fucked up on $24 cocktails, just have some caviar bumps and call it a night at 4 a.m. But it has nothing to do with beer smelling rooms. Like in the Gossip Girl era.
0: Totally. However
1: i'm like they're in high school so
0: yeah um, well maybe sex in the city i'm in mean, my sex in the city era. yeah there you go yeah. sex in the city era. Yeah.
1: my samantha jones oh
0: i heard this the other day which also i almost texted you but i didn't know if you knew already because we're both big friends fans <gasps> can we have a moment of silence for matthew perry <laughs> It's so sad. I literally, I found out while I was at Mex- the Mexican restaurant, and I started crying. I, I did too, and I was literally about to text you, and I was like, I can't be the one to tell her this. No,
1: I know. I found out right away. My family has this really fucked up game where whoever, oh <laughs> <laughs> when celebrities die, we it's like a race to who can tell the family group chat first. So, little insight into my my family dynamic, um, but yeah. So it was quickly put in there and my brother-in-law looked around the table and he goes i guess he wasn't having his day week month or even his oh, year well,
0: that's not i can't even laugh at that because i that's so disrespectful but really a good joke you know what, you maybe he, 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 he would have liked it <laughs> he would have loved, loved, loved it so two th- so my whole point was it that wasn't my joke please don't cancel me no it's it's like a good joke in season <laughs> one they are 26 so i'm like i'm just in season two of friends yeah. I feel great about that. I'm them. in season 5. <laughs> well, that's when all the good shit starts happening. Fair, fair. That's very true. Yeah, they have stable jobs in season
1: 5. That's true. And I think yeah. that's when Chandler and Monica get married.
0: Yeah. Maybe gonna... this is my season. Anyway, <laughs> we should probably get into what we're talking about today. Let's get into
1: it. We're talking about anxiety. Anxiety. I've got a lot of it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not ashamed to say.
0: Um, I'm riddled with it.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. It was definitely one of those things when I was younger, I don't think I realized I had. I don't think I could put a word to how I was feeling. And I would hear that people would get anxiety. And maybe that was because of the time that I grew up in you know, in the old days of yore. But like anxiety wasn't thrown around so flippantly and so commonly that I think it was still associated with a disorder.
0: It was still a taboo term, just like people didn't say that they went to therapy. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. But then as I got older, I was like, oh, I started to realize the catalyst to a lot of my feelings and a lot of my outbursts and a lot of my anger, Mm. which I had a lot of.
0: Have you seen Uptown Girls? course i was dakota fanning like the level of anxiety that she has as a seven-year-old or however old she's supposed to be 11 that was me as a child
1: i was gonna say when you were a child or you're dakota fanning as a a young adult
0: (laughs) still but you know where she's like gotten the hand sanitizer out like britney murphy's trying to have fun with her and she's like i need my advil that was me yeah and
1: she's like telling a 26 year old to
0: grow up yeah yep i did that to my mom's friends a lot
1: that's hilarious yeah so there's that I did, just to kick us off, I did look up the definition of anxiety, just because I want us to be very clear. Anxiety is your body's natural response to stress. It's a feeling of fear or apprehension about what's to come. And there's a difference between an anxiety disorder and ordinary anxiety. Ordinary anxiety is a feeling that comes and goes, but doesn't interfere with your everyday life. So that's
0: kind (laughs) of… Who has that? Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Is that real? Is that a myth? what people have anxiety but it doesn't actually interfere with their life well because there's anxiety where you're just like
1: nervous about a job interview or you're nervous about a date or something like that where it's really common and it's just your body's natural reaction because like you're nervous about something
0: by the way we're in a different room (laughs) yeah we didn't address this (laughs) we're back in ken's mojo dojo casa house which now you finally understand the reference i
1: do and i get it now
0: all we need is like a big horse and a mini fridge. Painting, yeah. Yeah. Full of beer.
1: Anyways, as a disclaimer, I don't see a therapist. It was something that I've tried many times, probably four different times. I've tried a therapist. My parents put me in therapy when I was 16. That did not work. They did it again when I was 17. That did not work, mainly because they were forcing me. That put a yeah. pretty bad taste <laughs> in my mouth. And then my sister and I tried a therapist together when I was about 21, that lasts about six months and then the most recent one was when i went through some pretty intense trauma and i sought one out i saw her for six months and then i stopped again I've, I've realized it's just not something that works for me and i've given it a fair go
0: i i go in and out of therapy i've been in therapy for years but lately i've taken a break because i found that it wasn't really helping me either but i haven't found too much of a solid alternative other than like journaling. What do you do? Honestly, I brainwash myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have become really good at this like internal dialogue where I can convince myself of anything. When I'm feeling anxious, I kind of like have this mean, angry football coach in my head. That's my face. And- Like you physically picture? It's literally me yelling at myself. (laughs) So yes, if I had to put a character to it, I don't know if you've ever seen She's the Man, but it's like Mm -hmm. the Illyria coach. And he's like, all right, you sissies. (laughs) That's me. And I'm basically like, shut the fuck up. Get the fuck up. Get out of bed. You're being stupid. This guy's not going to matter tomorrow. Just get the fuck up. That is what I say to myself in my head. It is. It has that much profanity as well. And I- convince myself and I force myself through these situations I mean a lot of times it takes a long walk but I'm by myself I'm listening to my music by the time I get back I am completely cured it's really just a lot of internal brainwashing and something that I actually learned years ago in a yoga class has kind of changed my life it's the pink elephant strategy I don't know if you've ever heard of this but right now think of a pink elephant okay how easy is that It was pretty easy. So the idea is that no matter what your train of thought is, you can switch it on a dime. You can just immediately say, I'm going to think of a pink elephant. And you start thinking of this pink elephant. And now that debilitating anxiety or whatever you were thinking about, whatever heartbreak you just went through, stressor, it's gone. It's proof to yourself that you can actually change your train of thought. Just literally put it on a different course because you're in control. So once I learned that, it was a way for me to just stop dead in my tracks when I started to feel a certain way. And don't get me wrong, there are some days where my brainwashing doesn't work as well and it takes a little bit more
0: brainwashing than usual, but that's what I do. Getting a hold of your thoughts is definitely a huge part of it. It doesn't happen all at once for me, at least, but when I used to meditate a lot, which mindfulness, as cliche as it is, genuinely helps. So does breath work. Mm -hmm. Like, the power of breathing to get through anxiety is crazy. Totally. But I was taught to acknowledge the thought and then dismiss it. You don't have to deny the thought. It's the thought that you have. But see that it's there and then be like, okay, we're moving on now. Like we don't need to sit in this thought for half an hour. So essentially the same thing, except you're way nicer to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Be nicer to yourself. I was taught when I had really bad anxiety too, to give myself a timer. I was going through like the worst heartbreak ever. And my aunt was like, you need to give yourself five minutes to feel like shit about this thought. And then when that's over, go take a shower, get up, and then do the next thing and then the next thing. Yoga, you mentioned, mm-hmm. also helpful. Or just exercising, getting serotonin and dopamine and all those happy chemicals going. Yeah. That's super, super, super helpful. And then when I have anxiety attacks, I was taught to do the, the five thing method, which is like five things you can see, smell, hear, feel, something else. What's the other – what's our other sense? Taste? Ta- yeah. Taste. <laughs> it's a little harder. The trick that works for me the most, though, is temperature. So if you're having an anxiety attack, you can go grab an ice cube, and the feeling of the ice in your hand will snap you out of it or help to snap you out of it. Oh. Or if I'm having a really shit day, you know, I'll get into like, a hot shower or a hot bath and kind of soothe myself that way. Mm-hmm. A little eucalyptus oil. That sounds lovely. And then journaling, which I just started doing in that women's retreat. I think I did it as a kid or a teenager, but I haven't done it consistently as an adult. All of the thoughts that are consistently swirling in my head, making me feel a thousand pounds heavier, that have always been there. As soon as I write them down, they go away. It's like magic. I'm like, oh, fuck. This whole do yoga journal thing, it works. No,
1: yeah. The people actually knew what they were talking about.
0: Yeah, it's so annoying that that works. I know. It does.
1: I was so against yoga when I was younger because, shocking, I loved boxing. I loved to hit something. I loved hit <laughs> workouts like I just liked high intensity things and that's always been my personality and then when I moved from New York to LA it still was for about like a year or two and then when I started working at Allo oh. I started doing yoga because <laughs> there was a yoga studio in the office so they would offer yoga classes twice a day every single day and oh. they encouraged everyone to go take it so it was once at noon once at two you could decide I went every single day and I became a different person. I was carrying so much anger and anxiety. I didn't know how to control my breathing. I didn't know how to control my thoughts, myself, my personality, my mood. And with yoga, just with the breathing, and then also you have an instructor who's sitting there and essentially being like you're a shaman. And they usually come with a lesson at the beginning or end of class, and they want you to set your intentions, and there's a purpose. And I always thought it was a bunch of woo-woo. But it worked so well for me where I had people coming to visit me in L.A. from New York being like, you were a different person.
0: I swear to God I've seen a skit of that where someone from New York visits their friend (laughs) and they want to go get a bagel or something. They're like, let's get a salad and go to yoga.
1: (laughs) I'm like, how about kombucha and an acai bowl instead? I didn't go that far. I still always kept my New York, but I went that far. I was so <laughs> deep. I was so deep in the red that it only just leveled me out. It mm-hmm. brought me to being like a normal human being. But yeah, the breath work thing is so true. It's like that that's an army tactic or navy tactic, like the 444 four, four or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, and let yeah. go for four seconds. Yeah, that's what I do. And yeah. it
0: really helps. Not just anxiety, but I'm someone who gets really, really, really stressed. And then it comes out in my body. I've gotten myself hospitalized from stress before. Yeah, I got uh, shingles at the ripe age of 26. And then that turned into meningitis, all because I was really stressed. Oh, my over God. A guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had to learn how to really regulate that. And yeah. breath. I think, well, I know it helps get it out of your system. If I can't go to a place, I always prefer going to a teacher because it is like having a shaman. There's a place in LA called Unplugged or there was, don't know yeah, if it's I re- still I a thing. That. But look it up, like go on ClassPass or whatever you have near you and see if they have something like that cuz it's so worth it. Or I use Calm or I'll just go on YouTube and look up like guided breathwork for free, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I
1: don't I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do it when I'm in yoga and then also I- I had a therapist when I was going through that trauma and she. there was one that was like this. You would hold down. If, if you can't see me, <laughs> I'm holding down one nostril with my thumb and then you breathe in through your left nostril and then you plug your other nostril and then you breathe out through the other side and it's supposed to quite literally clear out your thinking.
0: A healer made me do that in Bali. I was like, when have yeah. I done that lately? I did that before a sound healing four or five times mm-hmm. in each nostril. She was saying that any time that I had – a panic attack
1: or something I should do that or just to calm my thoughts and then she also told me to wear a rubber band around my wrist and snap, snap it. it yeah anytime that I needed to pull myself back from having dark thoughts I would snap my uh my rubber band that one felt a little like self harming yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like kind of like felt a little weird to me so I didn't really do that one And it didn't work because it made me then think that I was just harming myself, which is darker.
0: Yeah. So – but it is that ice cube effect. The ice cube effect. To describe an ice cube, don't don't stop. Yeah. Have you ever heard of tapping? Yes. Okay. If you haven't before, I'm going to explain it and it might sound a little woo-woo, but one of the most transformational moments in my life happened because of tapping. No, it sounds dramatic, but I was going through – and I've talked about it lately on the podcast – probably the worst heartbreak that I've experienced in my young 20s. I found out that the guy that I was dating was cheating on me with like a stupid amount of girls and living a double life, which really threw me off and put me in the state of mind to think that everyone was lying to me because everybody around me seemed to know except for me. So it really made me question my reality and put me in a fucking weird state of mind. And my aunt was really tired of seeing me have such a low self-esteem and be in this really shitty place and she was like sit down I just learned this technique so there's nine tapping points and uh, don't quote me on this but it has something to do with where your body stores trauma so I think it's here one was like here I'm probably so wrong one was here (laughs) I think there's like a one in your third eye that makes sense and then your wrists and while you're tapping your chest yeah your heart (laughs) it's probably aligned with your chakras or something. who knows but you're supposed to say affirmations or things you're letting go of, whatever, and it helps your body release that. So mine was like, even though he cheated on me, I am worthy. And I would like do it in every place. And I did it for 10 minutes. And then I truly felt like I had let a huge part of that go.
1: And I was like, oh. I think maybe. my that therapist had suggested that too. And I'm going to be honest. I feel stupid sometimes when I'm doing those things. And I did feel stupid when – she was telling me to do the tapping. I'm one of those people, I'll admit it, that, you know, you're in in a room or something and you have someone guiding you. are like, okay, oh, now everyone close your eyes. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to close my eyes. I like And it's it's a thing of I feel too vulnerable. I You know, mm. and that's more my anxiety. Like vulnerability to me is scary. It's very scary. And I keep up walls, like big high walls. From people. It's interesting. I don't usually, when I'm intimate with someone, when I'm in a romantic, intimate relationship, I'm usually pretty good in the past. I've been pretty good at just telling them everything. And this is actually really funny. This is kind of off topic, but I'm gonna just like, I'm gonna be vulnerable and tell you what I realized. There's probably three or four really traumatic things that have happened to me in my life. And they're usually things that when I'm dating someone, I want them. To know about me because I think it helps them understand me and understand my anxieties and understand just who I am. It also kind of gives them an idea of like how strong I am because I've overcome these things. And I've always found myself telling people really early on when I was doing research on narcissism. One of the things of being a narcissist is you tell people your trauma extremely early on. And I was like, holy fuck, am I a
0: narcissist? (laughs) narcissists Um, don't research if they're a narcissist no and i
1: don't i don't think i'm a narcissist but it was just a really interesting thing because then i was like that comes back to the validation piece that i want i i almost want to feel vulnerable so that i can have someone make me feel safe
0: it was just a really interesting thing that i realized about myself we should just start making powerpoints like three (laughs) slides and be like these are my traumas these are my trauma responses let me know what you think
1: yeah <laughs> check yes if you want to continue seeing me
0: <laughs> and fill out this form if you have any feedback yeah. Yeah.
1: but yeah a lot of my anxiety comes from vulnerability and abandonment is mm-hmm. a huge one for me the fear of being abandoned because I have abandonment issues
0: <laughs> yeah you and me both do you think you're afraid, like, when you think of the tapping or meditation and someone tells you to close your eyes and you're, you know, you're like one eye open, like, is everyone else doing it too? Do you think it's a fear of being judged for doing it and then abandoned by those around you because they don't No, know? Just like feel silly. After living in LA for 15 years, I've seen it all. I'm like, Just, yeah, I'll do
1: it. I don't think anyone else is judging me because when I open my eyes, I see that their eyes are closed. <laughs> I'm like, they're doing it. I have nothing to fear. I don't know. Maybe sometimes I feel above it. Maybe Mm. sometimes I feel like I don't need this. I think I still have that kind of a mentality, which it's not a good one to have. And I don't judge anyone who does these things because I think it works for a lot of people. I don't know. I I think there's like a blocker up in my mind sometimes where I'm like, I don't want to try something because I don't think it's going to work for me
0: it's really interesting and i wonder if that has anything i'm sure it has a lot to do with obviously the environment we're raised in when it comes to our families but also geographically because i've spent more time in la and i'm so open-minded to the weird shit 100 you've spent more time on the east coast and i've noticed that a lot of you know new yorkers or boston or anyone in this area is more likely to be like ah that's shit. you know what yeah, i mean 100 percent. that's definitely true i mean we're like
1: Oh, you're stressed? You're not feeling good? Fucking suck it up and go to work. Right. Like, that's always been our mentality. Even when I was sick in school, my mom would be like, you're going to school. (laughs) Like, get over it. My mom sent us to school with the chicken pox. And the nurse called. That's just
0: not (laughs) okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The nurse called my mom and she was like, Mrs. Klipstein, did you uh, know that you sent your children to school with the chicken pox? And she was like, what? No. (laughs) And they were like, can you come pick them up? And she was like... When I'm out of my meeting at 11 a.m., sure. And then,
0: yeah. Oh, my God. Your mom was like, the other kids need to get
1: it over with. Yeah.
0: (laughs) She's doing it for them. What are some of
1: the things that make you anxious?
0: Mm. (laughs) The list of things that make me anxious is longer than the list of things that don't. Give me, like, (laughs) three big things and three
1: irrational things.
0: Funny enough, because I'm, I'm really adaptable, but at this point in my life, change, which I often seek out for myself, so it's a bit of a contradiction. Just giant life decisions, mm-hmm. they used to give me anxiety. Abandonment. <laughs> Thanks, dad. <laughs> <laughs> and this one is so random, but during COVID, I-, I couldn't go home because my roommates were partying and I was immunocompromised. So I still fucking had to pay the rent there but then also figure out where i was gonna stay and a guy that was kind enough to give me his apartment for the rest of his lease that he wasn't in. But then that ended and then I stayed with him and that ended and then I went somewhere else and somewhere else and I felt like I didn't have a home. Mm. And that gave me such anxiety that now when I move or I travel for too long, I'm like, where's my home? Like that one really stresses me I totally – like a displacement. (laughs) Yeah, displacement. I can never – thank you for giving it a name, but I just have a fear of like not having my place. It's really weird. I 100% get that one. I've – traveled for a month
1: and I'm I get to a point where I'm like oh my God, like I need a home base like yeah. I can't yeah it's
0: a really weird niche trigger but it triggers me probably the most
1: I, I totally show. get that what do you think that your change one stems from have you ever unpacked that
0: I'm gonna do it now right in front of all <laughs> of you guys I don't know I I went to I've been to like 12 different schools I've lived in four states I think, yeah, four states. I had a lot of change as a kid. Yeah, consistently. I never got to have stable roots, and I don't hate that. I think that I would be more upset if I lived in the same place my whole life and didn't have well-rounded life experience. But I think that because so many things have happened, also negatively from change, that I've developed a resistance to it. Ultimately, it always works out, but there are consequences and I think I have this paralyzing fear especially as I get older of not making the right choice Mm -hmm. like I just am a perfectionist and I want life to go my way so badly that when big changes and life decisions happen I almost become not paralyzed but in a cycle of is this the right thing is this the right thing is this the right thing until
1: I spiral was your change coming from things you said I think you said like negative things came from the change but what were you changing and moving because a negative thing happened and then you had to make a change or was it vice versa bad things would happen when you
0: they're pretty split half and half when i was younger it's mostly negative things happened until i got to move to la and then it was more positive
1: even just since i've known you in the past couple years like you've already had a lot of change you've moved to you to new york so like how are you dealing with that
0: now was that scary was that bad or yeah it still stresses me out but right before i jump off a cliff into change i remind myself that as scary as change is you're not gonna become who you want to be by remaining right where you are so that to me is scarier than change totally never growing never becoming a better version of myself or achieving my goals so that's how i kind of light a fire under my ass and i'm like time (laughs) time to go yeah Yeah. that's
1: no such a good point it's similar to How I look at relationships, when you put yourself into uncomfortable positions, that's when you're going to show the most growth, and that's when you're going to become a better person, assuming you can handle it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm sure a lot of times, you know, change has made people fail in their eyes or hasn't yielded a positive result like it can, and people just need to remind themselves of that.
0: And also, you can always get back up. Right. (laughs) you get knocked down, you
1: you get get up up again, again.
0: and you ain't never going to keep me down. (laughs) With you, I know you said abandonment was one of them. What have you (laughs) unpacked? Why? Yeah, I have. Well, it's funny. So I always
1: thought it was my best friend breakups, which Mm. we talked about in the best friend episode. I had a couple best friends really just like leave me in my life with no explanation so it left me with this feeling of am i worthy am i a bad person it was super hard on me yeah so that was one but then as i kind of think about it it's like they didn't start happening until i was 18 20 and 23 they weren't really in developmental stages of my life i always joke that we did guiding eyes for the blind when i was a kid which is it's this program where they socialize Labradors to make them ready to be guide dogs for blind people. So yeah, it was so cute. So we would basically get two puppies for four or five days at a time, and they were like eight weeks old. We would just care for them and love them and play with them. And my sister and I were probably around the ages of five to seven kind of a thing. So after the five days were up, my parents would just rip these fucking little cute puppies right (laughs) out of our arms, and we would be like like screaming crying hysterical children we were little girls like of course and that happened over and over again like every month that would happen and we would never it never hurt less so I always joke that that's why I have abandonment issues is because my parents would take these puppies away from me which could be but then (laughs) (laughs) but then there's more I was drunk one night at a bar recently and I was with other people we met this girl And she was from Germany or Poland or something like that. She was telling me that she is a nanny for people in the city, whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, I grew up with nannies. I've had probably 27 different nannies throughout my life. Yeah. She was like, oh, my God. I don't know if earlier in the conversation I had joked about the abandonment issues, but she looked me down the eye and she was like, you realize that's probably where your abandonment issues came from, right? (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I think that was it. They didn't ever feel stable in my life, and they were... your a caretaker. They were my caretakers, and they became my best friends, too. And a lot of them had such an impact on my life. One of them taught me photography. I am now a photographer for all intents and purposes. You know, like, that got me into social media. That got me into content creation. Another one tried to teach me French. Another one, scrapbooking. One taught me sewing. There were so many things in my life that, like, they were enriching. And they were also my best friend. That's who I came home to at the end of the day. They cooked for me. They tucked me in sometimes. They lived in my house. So I would be cycling through these. Some of them, I think the longest one was three years. That was like an anomaly. After her, the longest one was like a year, year and a half. The rest were like six months, three months, a week.
0: Nannies makes more sense for abandonment, but think about what that does to your attachment style.
1: Literally. So now how this is manifested in my adult life is that I have this fear of a man leaving me. So I do everything I can to seem like the most perfect person and the most perfect partner. And I put so much pressure on myself to be this perfect person so that they won't leave me. And I'm like, look what I can do. Look how I can cook. Look at this. Look at that. And I am so caring and so giving And then they still fucking leave me. And then I'm just left, like, empty after each one because I just gave all of myself and
0: they just left anyway. It's also frustrating, too, because while you're putting on that persona of the perfect partner, you're not really getting to just be yourself. So in my opinion, you can't really be in love that way either because it's not authentic. Well, so... I will say, I haven't
1: done this with every single person, and the ones that I haven't done it with have lasted longer. Of course. And it's something that I have learned recently, so I'm no longer doing that. I've stopped being so afraid that they're gonna leave me, so I'm just like, whatever. You're gonna fucking leave me, goodbye. I'll just find someone else. It's not a big deal anymore, which is awful. It's partly that and partly like I've started to set myself up for more success by not putting so much into it. If you put all your eggs into one basket and then that person bails, you're fucked. You need to have someone fall in love with your heart before your hand.
0: And how much time and energy you put into it too. Most of my girlfriends that are dating, even those who are in a relationship, the common denominator of their anxiety is about the relationship. And it's because they're usually putting like way more thought and time and energy than the other person yeah so what I like to think especially when you're dating or even when you're just going to like a social gathering is my friend told me this when I was younger she was like worry less about whether or not they're gonna like you and worry more about if you're even gonna like them totally <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> no, hit me I think she yeah. told me that after, before a first date or something and I was like oh I, I still apply that to a lot of the things that I do and
1: yeah, that goes for everything. We all sit there and we're like, oh, are they going to want to marry me? It's like, do you want to marry them?
0: Yes. Like, what about you? What you yeah. want? Because that's taking your ego out of it and asking yourself, am I actually getting what I need? Well, because we look for the validation and we look for the
1: acceptance before sometimes we can open our eyes and realize you don't even want this. You just want to be wanted.
0: Yeah, like a guy that you don't really want pr- proposes to you. You're going to be like, ooh, well, yeah. glad we got it that far, but actually I'm out. Like, okay, Yeah, no. like, I just wanted
1: to get to this point. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could do it. And then I have, so now I actually don't want to. And, th- and that goes back to understanding what motivates these feelings of anxiety because you can sit there and be like, why isn't he calling me? Why hasn't he asked me to hang out? Or why hasn't he texted me? Whatever it may be. And if you realize that you only care because you want to be validated, Mm -hmm. you can have such a mind shift and just be like, what the fuck do I need this guy to (laughs) validate me for? It's exactly what you said. If you don't even know if you like him, you can't put so much value on someone that you don't even know is valuable to you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, literally. And this is jobs, friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, all of it, partners.
1: Yeah, it's all based on whatever value you assign to it. And if you are sitting there and putting someone up on a pedestal, it's not healthy for you. You need to put yourself up on a pedestal and be aware of all the things that you want and what's important to you and not just look for someone to validate you because that guy's probably a piece of shit.
0: Mm -hmm. And the more that you focus on yourself and doing things that make you fulfilled and that you love and drive you to grow – the less anxious you're going to be about whether or not they like you. Because you're going to feel, you've said this before, like so good on your own Mm -hmm. that it's going to be like, well, what are you bringing to the table? And if they really are bringing something to the table, you'll know it's because it's genuine, not because you're lacking something that you're then relying on them to give you. Yeah, and the
1: person that actually cares about you and actually loves you is going to make you feel that way and you're not going to have to seek that validation. You're not going to have to do anything anything extra to get that love they're just going to love you when it's the right person and they're going to care for you and they're going to make you feel loved the best thing in a relationship is when you feel loved when they're not in the room Mm -hmm. when they are not there and when you're not talking to them and you still feel connected that's like goals
0: Yeah, when you're not anxious about, well, what are they doing? And why haven't they texted me back? And I wonder where they're at tonight. Because you have inherent trust and solid communication about what the other one needs and wants and deserves. Yeah, you have the reassurance. Yeah, there you go. That's the antidote to anxiety. Yeah, reassurance. Reassurance or gaslighting. Those are the two ways you can address anxiety. Something that I really struggle with when it comes to anxiety that for a while I felt like I was better at, but somehow I'm back to square one, is differentiating my anxiety from my intuition so that gut feeling that you should or shouldn't do something and then just the general anxiousness around whether or not you should or shouldn't do something I asked a friend what she thought and she said something along the lines of anxiety feels like dark butterflies I'm like yeah I get that but I my brain like it's all the same do you know the difference usually
1: my anxiety doesn't tell me to do something. Usually my anxiety is telling me something bad about myself. My anxiety comes up with explanations for what's going on. And a lot of times they're false explanations. And my intuition is telling me to take an action. Ooh, yeah,
0: that's actually really interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely what it is. For example, when I was dating the old man, I could talk about him now. When I was dating him, my anxiety came from him not speaking to me or him not calling me. And in my mind, I was coming up with these explanations of, it's because he's with another girl. It's because he's over me. It's because it's done. Yet my intuition, at the same time, was talking to me, saying, get the fuck out because this guy's a piece of shit. My intuition is providing me with an action plan, and my anxiety is just telling me that I suck.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think that's there's been times where my intuition has been like, he's cheating on you. And that wasn't an explanation. Like that was true. And yeah. I was right. It was a gut feeling. But you're right. The underlying thing wasn't just like he's cheating on you. The intuition was you need to leave. Yeah. because he's cheating on you. And anxiety. Yeah, I feel like isn't really action oriented. It's overthinking. Yeah. And over explaining things to yourself and making up scenarios that are not even real they're irrational most of the time like nine times out of ten they're never going to happen yeah i was
1: literally just going to say scenarios like we are making up scenarios in our heads there's a million different types of anxiety it's all just fear about something that hasn't happened one other thing that i've brainwashed myself about is if something hasn't happened yet there's no need to worry about it twice If it's going to happen, worry about it then. Worry about it when it actually happens. There's no need to double up on the worry and the anxiety. Like if something's going to happen in a week, let it happen in a week. Don't worry about it now and fucking drive yourself
0: crazy for a week. It's true. Your brain doesn't know the difference between something that hasn't happened and something that you're consistently thinking about. So you're exactly right. Like, why are we making ourselves physically sick and live through this when it hasn't happened, most likely won't happen. But yeah, if it does happen, uh, worry about it then. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. I said this to my mom the other day. She was like, if if this person doesn't come to this event that we're having, I'm going to be so pissed. And I was like, oh, did she say she wasn't going to come? My mom was (laughs) like, no, she RSVP'd yes. And I was like, then why would you think she's not going to come? And she was like, well, I'm just saying, you never know. And I was like, okay, well, I was like, why don't why don't we just figure it out when it happens? Because like, I feel like she's going to come if she are a soupy. Yes. I flat out said to her, you are angry about something right now that hasn't happened yet. Which is
0: so funny when it, you put it that way. It's hilarious.
1: Way. It's like your mind is so powerful and it's so powerful in both directions. And that's what people forget. It's like, We are convincing ourselves of this bad thing that might happen, but you can also convince yourself that it's not going to happen and that things are going to be okay. So Mm -hmm. that's where the brainwashing comes in for myself. You just have to work backwards because you got yourself here. You can get
0: yourself out of it. On the other end, too, when you lay it out like that, it's so funny because the woman who was going to show up to the party could have been out and about while your mom was thinking this, shopping for a gift to give her. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you never know what is happening on the opposing end of a situation when you're making one up in your head. Yeah. I am so guilty of this. I am
1: that meme where it's like someone freaking the fuck out, being like, why isn't he texting me? I fucking hate him. And then the second my phone dings, I'm like, oh my God, I love him. The pink elephant. How quickly your mind can switch because you have no idea what's going on. You're making up scenarios. You can make up another scenario. That was also something that my therapist with the trauma really helped me with. I'll lightly touch on it. It's not something I wanna get into right now, but I was drugged and I don't really remember what happened in this scenario. And she was like, okay, so make something up. Make something else up. Make something up that didn't, that was fine and that didn't hurt you and that isn't traumatic. She was like, just convince yourself of that. And I was like, huh. I mean I don't know if it really worked but you know it it is a way where you
0: can you can convince
1: yourself of anything it's
0: mind over matter that's what I try to do with social anxiety so sometimes I get riddled with that and I try to emulate confidence so I will tell myself you know that everybody like I'm walking to the room and they're so excited to see me but that's to cancel out thoughts of I'll hear like laughter in the corner and I'm like that's about me and then it's like, but wha- like why? literally, why would they be in the corner <laughs> laughing about you? Like, that'd be a really weird thing to do. They're just having a good time. And yeah. you're also having a good time. And you look great. And you have friends here. You have to, yeah, tell yourself positive things to counteract whatever weird shit your brain is trying to tell you. Yeah. And that is such a common one, too, of just
1: assuming the worst. Fake it till you make it. Have you ever heard of the term foreboding joy? No.
0: I've heard of those words separately, just not together. <laughs> okay. There's a book by Brene Brown, who I don't know if you know of, but I love her to death. And she gave like an incredible TED Talk a few years back that was one of the most viral ones about vulnerability. And her books are all about vulnerability. So maybe you should read one. I can lend one to you. And sure. This may shock you, but I hate self-help books. <laughs> shocking, but they might actually help. So she has a chapter in there about foreboding joy, and one of the most profound stories, I think about it all the time when I'm assuming the worst, was this husband always thought that his wife was going to die before him, and so he never let himself feel truly close to her because oh. he had this fear of losing her. He didn't get that close to her or the kids. He was just so afraid of of that feeling, I guess. So she did wind up passing before him, and he... And the book, goes on to say how much he regretted losing all of those moments that he could have had yeah. with his family and that prepping and bracing himself for a disaster didn't do anything anyway. All it did was rob him of the good times that you could have had. So yeah. this whole like bracing yourselves for disaster and foreboding joy is not working either direction. So if it doesn't happen, you've just given yourself terrible anxiety for years and not been in the moment. And if it does happen, same outcome. You just lose all of the opportunity that you had.
1: Yeah. I mean, that can be applied to, like, this social anxiety scenario. I mean, I've definitely sat there, gotten upset over something or gotten anxious about something, mainly upset, or, like, in a fight with someone at a social setting. I've removed myself, and I was crying, and I was upset, and I was like, fuck this, and I'm not going to be here. Or... You can pink elephant the situation, turn that frown upside down and go back out there because otherwise you're robbing yourself of a good time. Like why aren't you allowed to have a good time? Just because someone else upset you, like you can just do not take away these moments that could be complete joy and bliss and amazing memories that you can have and give them away to anxiety
0: and Sadness. I have such a fear that when I'm 80 I'm gonna look back on times now and I'm gonna be like why didn't you get up and dance? I'm too anxious to dance unless I'm shit-faced and nobody wants to see me dance (laughs) shit-faced. So it's like why can't you just get up and do it? Because I'm anxious of what? Of people seeing me have a good time? Yeah. So then I'm gonna be older and be like wow I really should have gotten the move is when I could have. You know what I mean? Like just who cares? Totally.
1: We are all just little tiny specks on a floating space rock and nothing fucking matters. So just get up there and dance and let your hair down and stop caring what other people think. You know what? Because great things come when you don't care what people think. Look Mm -hmm. at us sitting here right now. You know how hard it was for us (laughs) to come on here and talk about sex and porn and our anxiety and our vulnerabilities and have our parents listening? Not easy. But we're doing it and great things are gonna come of it. And that's because we stop caring what other people think. Mm. M- Mike draw. Mike. <laughs> we can't have a mic. Mike tilt.
0: Yeah. You just can't let yourself lose out on life because you're afraid of what might be yeah. the saddest outcome. Can't let the fear of striking out of the game. Yeah. You can't let
1: the fear of striking out
0: keep, keep you from playing the game. game. Or the, what's that song? I hope you dance.
1: Oh, that's immediately what I thought when you
0: first <laughs> saying <laughs> Yeah. So that's the moral um, of the
1: story. What's the worst that can happen? Your feelings get hurt? Feelings aren't real. They're not tangible. They literally can change based on your thought process and your mindset. Mm. So just fucking do it. <laughs> just like stop. <sighs> just
0: do it. Just
1: do it. Nike is onto something.
0: Depending on what it is. But like in most cases just do it. I don't want to condone everything. Yeah. We
1: don't want uh, people to go out there like TPing houses and be like, well, they told me
0: to just do it. I like how that's the worst thing you could think of. (laughs) Well, I was going to go dark and then I was like, I'm not going to.
1: (laughs) We're not going to be like Stan over here.
0: Stan? Eminem. Stan. Yeah, I know that, but I don't know how that was relevant because I only know about he's a fan.
1: You should go listen to the song. It's pretty dark. Okay. It's a true story. Oh. And okay. Stan was the OG Stan. I don't think he's alive.
0: So are we all calling each other Stans, but he's really, like, some crazy murderous fan? Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. Wow. Like, okay. he was such a fan that it drove him to murder. Okay. So I'd rather have fans <laughs> and not Stans. That's a really crazy that we were just like, hey, let's just coin that one if it's a true story. I mean,
1: I'm 99% sure that I'm correct. Because it's a Eminem song called "Stan," and it's about a crazy fan, a crazy fan who ends up like writing letters to Eminem, and he's like, "My wife is in the trunk, and I'm about to drive off a bridge, and she's pregnant."
0: All right, <laughs> Eminem's got a lot going on. Anyways, <laughs> to wrap that up. <laughs> can we end on a lighter note let's go back to like we're on a floating space rock space rock have a good
1: time i love saying we're on a space rock it's just we like are. guys do it for the plot
0: do it for the plot remember your your five senses your ice cube brainwash You're yourself breathing. be your little elyria coach yell at yourself sometimes i guess
1: yeah, it works for me. You got we've got like two ends of the spectrum here. <laughs> Chloe and I could not be more opposite. And so now we're telling you as either end of the spectrum how to deal with your anxiety. Not telling, mm-hmm. suggesting. You fully suggesting not medically licensed to do so.
0: No, we're not. We have no credentials it's, other than surviving our own traumas.
1: We're just telling you our experiences and saying this is how we deal with it. If you want to give it a whirl, that's on you.
0: I love that we have the New Yorker being like, get the fuck out of bed, bitch. And then you have me being like, I will be it <laughs> <out."
1: laughs> Like It's so true. It's with everything we say and do. It's all just like, we're yin and yang. It's cute. It's cute.
0: All right. Well, that was fun. Next week, we're talking about sex. Let's talk about sex,
1: baby. Let's talk about you and me.
0: Let's talk about all the good things and the So I'm going to leave like a little Q&A thing down below. If there's anything in particular that you want us to talk about with sex, fill it out. It's a hot take debate. Oh, yeah. Duh. Hot take debate.
1: So like debating topics. Don't, you know, ask us when we lost our virginity. But I'll tell you. But don't. (laughs) But don't do that. (laughs) Okay. So any hot take debate questions that you want us to unhinge and debate?
0: All right. See you then. Bye. Bye.